You're listening to episode number 53 of the Keto Diet Podcast. Today we're chatting about signs you're addicted to exercise, when to stop working out completely, relationship with food and your children, plus so much more. So stay tuned. Hey, I'm Leanne from HelpfulPursuit.com, and this is the Keto Diet Podcast, where we're busting through the restrictive mentality of a traditional ketogenic diet to uncover the life you crave. What's keto? Keto is a low-carb, high-fat diet where we're switching from a sugar-burning state to becoming fat-burning machines. All listeners of the podcast receive a free seven-day keto meal plan, complete with a shopping list and everything you need to chow down on keto for seven whole days. Download your free copy at healthfulpursuit.com forward slash keto meal. The link will also be in the show notes for today's episode. Perfect if your daily keto meals have become a bit lackluster, if you're new to keto and a bit lost when it comes to eating what and how much, or thrive on being guided on what to do and when to do it. Again, that's healthfulpursuit.com forward slash keto meal. Let's get this party started. Hey guys, happy Sunday. The show notes and full transcript for today's episode can be found at healthfulpursuit.com forward slash podcast forward slash E53. The transcript is added to the post about three to five days following the initial air date of this episode. And let's hear from one of our awesome partners. If you're not familiar with Paleo Valley, they make two of my very favorite things. The first, 100% grass-fed and finished fermented beef sticks. Each stick contains 1 billion probiotic CFUs to benefit the health of your gut and the strength of your immune system. Their gut-friendly sticks are gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free, GMO-free, freaky chemical, additive dye, and preservative-free, as well as being 100% free from carbs and sugar and made with the highest quality ingredients. The second, a whole food-based, ultra-primal, super-nourishing organ complex. It's a mega-nutrient-dense super supplement. The nutrients in just one daily dose read like the best multivitamin out there, and it's a whole food. Vitamins A, B2, B3, B5, B6, B9, B12, CoQ10, folic acid, iron, selenium, phosphorus, and zinc, copper, omega-3 fatty acids, DHEA, and EPA, phosphorus, the list goes on. Organ Complex is a combination of beef liver, heart, brain, and kidney, all sourced from 100% grass-fed and grass-finished beef organs, which are non-GMO and never given antibiotics, steroids, hormones, or grain. The capsules are 100% pure with no fillers or flow agents, gluten, grain, soy, or dairy. Now you can shop all things Paleo Valley, load up your cart, and apply a super sweet coupon code on everything in your cart. Take advantage of this offer by going to paleovalley.com slash keto20, fill up your cart, and enter the coupon code keto20, that's keto two zero at checkout to apply a 20% off discount on your entire purchase. Unsure of the link? Simply check out the show notes of today's episode to get all of the details. If you have an idea for a podcast episode or want to submit praise over and above your review, which you can leave by going to healthfulpursuit.com forward slash review, you can reach me at info at ketodietpodcast.com. We have one announcement for you guys, and it's a really exciting one. If you guys remember last week, I shared with you that we're doing a one-year podcast anniversary giveaway, and you have until October 10th, 2017 to enter to win. 
All you got to do is review the podcast, email info at ketodietpodcast.com with a screenshot of your review or the username you used for the review, and you will be entered to win one of two prize packs. The first prize pack is from Perfect Keto. It's one Perfect Keto base in chocolate sea salt, one MCT oil powder, and one keto collagen, and it's open to US and Canada. And then there is also another prize you could win from Thrive Market. It's a one-year membership for Thrive Market plus a starter kit of your choice. And the starter kit is a $50 value and this piece is only open to the U.S. The winners will be randomly drawn on October 10th, 2017, contacted and announced on Instagram Live. So good luck and thanks for listening to the podcast and helping me get to one year. Whoop, whoop. Today's guest's name is Jennifer Schmid. She's a nutrition educator for nutritional weight and wellness in the Twin Cities, and you can hear her on their live podcast Saturday mornings once a month. Jennifer previously struggled with an addiction to exercise and an eating disorder for 20 years and appeared in the PBS Nova documentary, Dying to be Thin, that aired in 2000. After changing to a high-fat keto style of eating, she was able to change her biochemistry, heal her gut, and break the compulsive exercise cycle. So... The original plan for this episode was to talk about ketogenic diets and exercise addiction, but it's very rare that I get to speak to a fellow eating disorder recovered individual, and Jennifer is one of these people. And if you are new to the healthful pursuit space, maybe you don't know, but I struggled with an eating disorder for many, many years. I had anorexia, bulimia, orthorexia, all diagnosed, all mega struggles. I went to um, inpatient a couple of times. It didn't work. I ended up going and doing my own thing and finding coaches and different types of support techniques to get me the care that I felt that I needed. It's been a couple of years since I've been fully, fully recovered. And it's something that I've just recently started talking about more openly. And there was a very long period of time, even when I first started up Healthful Pursuit, where I didn't like to talk about it. It was very secretive and quite shameful, really. I mean, how can you trust a nutrition coach that doesn't even have her stuff together and has an eating disorder? And what I didn't know at that point is it was very much a psychological thing and not so much anything to do with weakness or willpower. It was very much because I wasn't feeding myself nutritionally right for my brain. That was a huge piece and something that Jennifer and I talk about quite heavily in this episode, but also that I wasn't taking the time to really get to know myself and respect myself and understand myself like me, Leanne. So recently I've started talking about this a lot more because I think that I have a responsibility to do so. And I'm hoping that by talking about this more, more people understand eating disorders. It's not so shameful. And really because I want to be an open book to you guys. And no, I'm not perfect. I've struggled with a lot of things and I'm still struggling with stuff. And I think by kind of getting on that that same level of just like stuff happens in life that we don't totally love and here's how we deal with it and here is how I dealt with it can be really powerful for a lot of people. So Jennifer and I talk about a lot of stuff that was very challenging for us and our goal for this or my goal with sharing this information is that if you see signs in yourself of these things being problems, of these issues and these problematic things that can turn into mega 
horrible things in your life. Or if you notice that maybe a child or maybe you're a teacher and you see other children in your classroom dealing with these sorts of behaviors, that we can be more mindful of this and catch it before it gets too bad. I think the reason why I didn't get the care that I needed when I needed it with eating disorder stuff is that my parents didn't know about it and my family didn't understand it. And I think the more we chat about it, the more we understand and the more we know and the more we can action it and provide care to the people that need it. If this is you or you feel like somebody needs some sort of care or support, I've included links in today's show notes, which you can access by going to healthfulpursuit.com forward slash podcast forward slash E53 on some support techniques. And know that although we're talking about eating disorders, it also aligns with disordered eating. So you may not have gone to a doctor or inpatient care that says, yep, you got anorexia, but you might deal with a lot of issues as it comes to your relationship with food and your body. So know that this conversation isn't just limited to people that have been diagnosed with an eating disorder. So with that said, let's cut over to this interview. Hey, Jennifer, how's it going today? I'm doing very well, Leanne. How are you? I'm so good. And I'm really excited that you're on the show today with us. Thank you. I'm excited to be here too. For listeners that may not be familiar with you, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Well, my name is Jennifer Schmidt. I live in the Twin Cities here in Minnesota. And my full-time job, I'm actually a surgical dental assistant, but I'm also a nutrition educator with a company called Nutritional Weight and Wellness here in the Twin Cities. So I teach nutrition classes and I also participate in our live radio show on a local station here called Dishing Up Nutrition. We also have a podcast. We have an app as well. So I have, I get to participate in that. And so basically my history is I've struggled with digestive health since birth. I was a colicky baby and that was followed by many years of really poor intestinal health. In the late 90s, I developed an exercise addiction which led to an eating disorder. And I was in and out of hospitals, um, inpatient residential facilities for so many years. And I was even featured in the PBS Nova documentary called Dying to be Thin in the year 2000. And although I was able to restore the weight, I was never able to get rid of the exercise addiction. In fact, it just got worse as time went on. And I, the reason, you know, people are like, well, how do you develop an exercise addiction? Well, for me, exercise did two things. One, it helped ease my digestive distress. And two, it helped kind of give me some endorphins. I mean, I didn't feel normal unless I worked out. And in the, I'd say about 12 years ago, when our radio show first started Dishing Up Nutrition, I started to listen to that. And at first I was really resistant to change what I was eating because I was eating, you know, a lot of sugar, a lot of processed carbohydrates, things like that. But something really resonated with me. So I continued to listen and slowly over time, I started to reduce my sugar intake and my gluten intake. But it wasn't until 2012 after having two emergency intestinal surgeries followed by a diagnosis of osteoporosis, and also I was stopped absorbing food completely at that time, that I knew I needed life-saving help and the doctors were, did, they didn't know what to do with me. So I went to Nutritional Weight Wellness and after a month of eating the kind of real foods in balance, I noticed a tremendous change in my health. But what was more exciting than that, Leanne, was how quickly my thoughts and behavior started to change. I'll never forget, it was a week and a half after meeting with the dietitian, and I was driving home from work, and I thought to myself, and I was on my way to the gym, of course, and I thought to myself, you know, I'm feeling it today. So I started to drive home, and I was like, 
just sobbing because this is the first time in 20 some years that I wasn't going to go to the gym. It was like this fog had been lifted. Like I discovered the most powerful drug on the planet and that was eating real food. And after that time, you know, I, there were so many different changes in my health. I started to, um, my inflammation went down, my back pain went away. And yes, I was able to reverse my osteoporosis within two years and no dairy wasn't part of that. <laughs> and that was just eating real food. And of course, Leanne, you know that we need lots of healthy fats for those minerals to um, adhere to that bone mesh. And so, yeah, I was able to reverse my osteoporosis. And basically, I don't think I would be alive today had I not changed what I was eating. And from that moment on, I knew that I wanted to help people who were struggling with what I struggled with. And on top of that, um, my passion for nutrition has just grown and grown. Wow. What a journey, right? I was... I also had an eating disorder for many, many years. And when I hear, it's very rare actually that I get to interact with somebody who's gone through that as well and is on the other side of it. There aren't many of us out there because it's like, you know, it's probably the most challenging thing you'll ever do as a human. Oh, absolutely. And all the guilt and shame associated with it too, just kind of keeps you stuck in that pattern. And to know that it's actually, you don't have anything to be guilty about. It's just biochemical. There's a reason, you know, not yeah. making those neurotransmitters. Yeah. And there is quite a shame, shameful thing around it. Like even now when I say I struggled with an eating disorder, I'm like, should I bring yes. that up? Like yep. everyone thinks you're crazy and exactly. weak or anything, but I think it can be said for so many things. You know, oftentimes we don't want to show our quote unquote weaknesses and mm -hmm. exercise addiction is interesting, very similar to weight loss or eating disorders. It's almost like as you are awarded and prized for your amazing ability and willpower to go to the gym every day or to lose mm -hmm. that weight and have a six pack or whatever the case may be. And it's not until your skin and bones that people are like, um, are you healthy? But in between that, if you don't look like a skeleton, you're kind of just ignored and and praised for these unhealthy behaviors. Exactly. Absolutely. And for me, it was the biochemistry part was, you know, eating animal protein and healing my gut, eating animal protein multiple times a day and making that serotonin and dopamine that I was lacking for probably since birth and just feeling normal for the first time. It was like, oh, this is all I had to do. I know. I know. After all that time. <laughs> I, yeah, same with me. I was on a podcast just a couple of hours ago and they said like, what was the turning point for you? And I was like, when I realized that food was really powerful and I had been avoiding it all that time. Exactly. It's medicine. Yes. It's medicine. It's either going to heal us or harm us. And so because you had a history of disordered eating and exercise yes. addiction and uh -huh. you like, how did you find keto and how have you made that a positive experience instead of falling into old behaviors? Right. So like I used to be completely fat free and also ate low fat. I can remember going after going to the gym in the morning before work, I'd stop and get a fat free latte with a fat free muffin and there would be a walnut, like a banana pecan something uh, muffin and there'd be a pecan on top and I'd throw away throw the pecan. <laughs> <laughs> now I would probably throw away the muffin and eat the pecan. So anyway, I first heard you, Leanne, during Mark Hyman's Fat Summit in um, January of 2016. And you really hit something because, you know, you're talking about 
ketogenic eating for women. And I just knew like for me, I went from craving sugar all the time to craving fat all the time. So I really had increased just kind of on my own. My body was just saying, give me all the fat. I just need more fat. And so I listened and I felt better eating more fat. And so when I listened to you and then you were talking about how, you know, as women, we do better with like the starchy carbohydrates more in the evening. I started to do that and my energy level started to balance out. My adrenal fatigue started going away. My cortisol levels were balancing out. Um, it just felt so much better in my body than eating them throughout the day, just keeping them more towards the evening time made a huge change for me. So it sounds like a lot of it was just also working intuitively with your body and not exactly. so much caring about the nitty gritty of things. Right. You know, there's no one size fits all. Our bodies are so different and our needs are, are so different, I think. And now you mentioned a little bit, but I'd love to chat a little bit more about now that you're more eating more fat a little bit, like, mm -hmm. would you consider yourself ketogenic? Um, yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. Fat adapted, totally ketogenic. I, yeah, I eat quite a bit of fat, I'd say 70%. Yeah, of overall. And then how have things changed for you since you've become keto? Because it sounds like had you overcome the exercise addiction before starting keto or what was that timeline like and, and what have you noticed since being keto? Sure. Well, when I uh, went to nutritional weight wellness and changed my eating, I was already started out about 50%, 45 to 50% fat. And I noticed pretty much right away that my hypoglycemia went away, probably about a month into it. I was hypoglycemic all the time. My moodiness went away. And uh, I wasn't thinking about food 24-7. Prior to that, I mean, I was just thinking about food all the time. I dream about food. I wake up in the middle of the night and want to eat food. And so it went from that to um, actually being able to go decent periods of time without eating because I still have a very compromised gut right now um, after having all the surgeries. And so even my surgeon was saying, you know, think milkshake every time you eat, you got to chew that food until it's nothing because you've got a compromised gut. So I can't eat like every three hours or even every four hours. Usually the, the best is at least five hours just to give my gut a break. So ketogenic has really helped with that. So I'm not starving every three, four hours. Mm, that's awesome. And so let's backtrack a little bit to like exercise addiction, because that's something that I dealt with. And the the major turning point where I was like, Oh, wow, I think I actually have a problem was when I, I tore I don't even remember what it was in my knee. It was a really big deal. My knee was really messed up. And I was training for a marathon. And it was like my fifth one. And the fourth one, the same knee problems that happened, I ended up deep water running as training for the entire marathon. And when I hit the pavement, it was the first time I had actually been on the road in over three months. I trained completely wow. in the pool. I ran a really good race and I figured, okay, so because I ran a really good race, I think my knee is fine. So I started doing brick workouts where I would go on the bike and then I would do a quick core thing and then go into the pool and there was this one time where my knee was hurting so bad during the bike exercise that I like I was pushing with my right leg constantly and my oh left my knee gosh. was kind of just like not working. It was super inflamed. It was getting really puffy. And so my coach said, you know, tap this one out, go into the change rooms. What I did is I grabbed a mat. I went on the floor and I worked out for another 45 minutes on doing floor work. Wow. And that was like... 
um, and I remember my coach saying like, actually go to the change room, get changed, go home, like stop working out. And I started crying because I couldn't stop. Mm -hmm. Like I just, I couldn't, I was like, no, I don't understand. What do you mean? I'm not stopping. So yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've, you've been in that same boat of like, there's just not an option. Yeah. It's not an option. You have to, you your, but your brain is saying, I have to, I wake up in the morning I'd stare at the ceiling and be like, I don't know if I can do six hours today at the gym, you know, because I was sacrificing sleep. I would be missing out on family activities, weddings, you name it. I drive through blizzards. Like I can still remember risking my life thinking, okay, worst case scenario, I stall on the road. I can still walk there in the blizzard risking my life, but I have to work. I don't have a choice. And running my first marathon in 1998, they actually got footage of me finishing, and so they used that in that Nova documentary I was in. But my first, the, my next thought after I finished was, okay, um, where's the closest gym to me? Because I work out at a gym that we have several different locations. Because I was going to hit the gym right after. Because of course that's what you do after you run a marathon. Yeah, yeah, same. My first marathon, I was in Edmonton in a place I didn't live, and I went to the gym after running that race, and my yeah. knees were like, my bot, no, like that's not, no, that's not what you do. More on my interview with Jennifer Schmid after this message from one of our podcast partners. I love being Canadian, the home of the true North strong and free, but gosh, am I jealous that y'all in the U.S. get access to Thrive Market. Canadian or not, many of us know Thrive Market is great, but how do prices compare to Amazon, Vitacost, or other online retailers? Will the average American save $100 plus per year by shopping on Thrive? A new site called Healthy Prices answers these questions. At Healthy Prices, you can browse all items found on these online retailers, add the items to your basket and compare savings and costs between the different online shopping sites. The basket calculator will show you how much money you'd spend if you bought your products on Thrive Market versus Amazon or at your favorite health food store. It'll also show you how much you could be saving by choosing the best deal. The number one reason why people are not a Thrive Market member is because they have no idea if it's worth the annual fee. Head on over to healthyprices.net slash compare slash HP to discover just how much money you can save each month by having a Thrive Market membership. Unsure of the link and the offer? Simply check out the show notes of today's episode to get all of the details. Signs that you are addicted to exercise. You chatted about like driving through a blizzard. Mine was like driving on ice, not being able to stop, waking up and forcing yourself to get up. I remember packing my bags, getting my lunch ready, getting my snacks ready, and I would like force myself out of bed. Like it just wasn't an option. Like you're going. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Any other signs that you're addicted to exercise that you can remember struggling with? Yeah, definitely if you're sick. If you're injured, um, after my first intestinal surgery in 2012, January of 2012, I was told not to work out for a month. I waited, I think it was two days, and we're talking major surgery. I could hardly walk. And I went and sat on a stationary bike and barely got my heart rate up, and I was instantly nauseous, and I went home, and that threw me back of two weeks of healing. And uh, within, oh, I don't know, 30 days from that, I had adhesions that closed up. So I had to go back in and have the surgery done all over again. And I'm sure that going to the gym didn't help that. 
also, I think if you, you've got to ask yourself why, and you know, if you're, if you don't enjoy the workout while you're doing it, that's a sign too. Like if I hate running on a treadmill, so I'm going to go run on a treadmill. Well, I think you should do something you enjoy and not force yourself to do something that you don't want to do. And if you are doing something you don't want to do again, that's a sign. Yeah. And I think also for me, I actually thought that I really loved running, biking and swimming. I actually thought that I did. And now I don't think like maybe you could pay me like a million dollars and perhaps, <laughs> perhaps I would run a 5k. Like I just, I really dislike running. I don't like it. I don't like running. I don't like swimming. I really don't like biking, <laughs> but I did it because that's what I did. And yeah, now I really love walking. I love walking and I love yoga and I love dancing. It's like creative and my body feels good. I think you don't know that you actually don't like it until you kind of step away from the addictive mentality because you think that you love it when you actually exactly. don't. Exactly. And those are my go-tos too. I love walking, hiking. I do like to bike outdoors as well, but big into dancing now, huge into yoga. And that's really helped with my adrenals. I can fall asleep now in Shavasana in like two seconds, which I could never have done that before. So yeah, I only, my thing is I only do things I enjoy. And if I've worked a 12 hour day at work and I'm tired, my body says I'm tired. I listen and I go home and I just don't go. Yeah. And that's not even something you could have, like, it just wasn't even on the table as an exactly. option. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. So looking back, if you could, you know, tell yourself something, you know, when you're driving through a blizzard trying to get to the gym, how much exercise is too much or when should someone stop working out completely to kind of like, should you have when you're driving through that blizzard be like, hey, girl, maybe you should just like go home. Like, yeah, what, what, exactly. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, you're risking your life to do something that is also killing you at the same time. So, you know, when you're risking your life or you're lying to people you love to do something, I mean, that's a sign you're addictive. So if I could go back and tell myself, I would say, honey, you're sick and you need to turn around and go home or call someone. And, uh, I would have definitely been more because I had been listening to this radio show for I don't at that point it was maybe nine years or so I would have made an appointment with a nutritionist sooner and change but I didn't know at that time that would would help my addiction I just never imagined my brain chemistry could change yeah I think it's like when to know when to ask for help and being real with yourself is is a really big thing and sometimes it's a matter of Maybe just stop, like stop working out, find something that you enjoy that's more movement based or find help. I'll include some links in the show notes of some people that I've used in the past as coaches and consultants. Do you have any recommendations of like resources that people can use when it comes to these sorts of things? Well, I guess the first thought would be you. <laughs> oh, yay. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Otherwise, yeah, the company I work for, Nutritional Weight Wellness, has helped many people like myself. And yeah. Okay, deal. And I want to chat a little bit about like for me and my exercise addiction, I actually had to stop exercising completely. Like no nothing. I I allowed myself to go on a 20 minute walk when I felt like it, going at a slow pace and I wasn't allowed to brisk. <laughs> like because then all of a sudden I'm running again. Exactly. What have you seen in your work or uh, like with yourself, was there a period where you actually had to stop working out completely? 
It just had to, like you, just walks. I mm-hmm. would only allow myself to walk. And the dietitian I work with was like, I want you to cut back to an hour a day. And I looked at her in our first meeting and I said, well, an hour a day, don't you think I should cut it more down more than that? Like I was expecting her to say, don't work out at all. She goes, well, I'm just trying to ease you off just being realistic. And so then once like my brain chemistry kind of changed and that day I like didn't go at all from there on out, it was like, okay, we're just walking, we're walking, doing yoga and just totally listening to my body. And what was really exciting was because I had gained weight so many times and treatments. And when I gained weight by eating a lot more fat and animal protein and, you know, lots of vegetables, I would get out of the bed in the morning and I wouldn't appear like I restored weight, but my legs would be heavier. Like I was gaining bone mass. That was really exciting to me. Like, wow, this is so different than when I restored weight in the past. Like I'm actually gaining muscle and bone. This is so exciting. So that made a huge difference. Which is crazy that you could have that conversation with yourself. Like, yeah, yay, I'm gaining weight. <laughs> like, yes. what was that? Like, I, did you deal with fear when it came to that? Like, was that process scary? It wasn't actually. I had never dealt with, except for when I was an adolescent, like 12, 13 years old. Um, I'm a twin and my twin sister was always very, very skinny and I was always kind of over a little bit overweight. And so I would be very insecure about that. But then when I got into high school, I joined sports and I leaned right out. So I never had that issue of I, that desire to lose weight. And when I was going through the, the most of my exercise addiction, I would be ashamed of how thin I appeared. And I'd want to hide and I'd want to put on big baggy clothes to make myself appear bigger. So actually the, the weight restoration process was really exciting for me because every day I looked in the mirror and I would look better and better. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm looking more like a woman in her late 30s should look and not like mm-hmm. a 12 year old boy. Amazing that that process yeah. for you mm-hmm. seemed natural. I know for me, that was probably the hardest part to all of it was weight gain. And now, you know, looking at the scale, in fact, it's so cool. I jumped on the scale for the first time in over two years today, this morning. Wow. I rented a hotel room to record a bunch of podcasts and there was a scale in there. And I'm like, that's interesting. I'm kind of curious. I'm just going to jump on there and see what happens. And I always love kind of like dancing on the edge of having to deal with emotions that come up because you uh-huh. jumping on a scale, it's like, oh, dear gosh, this could be really bad. What are you thinking? Um, right. But I jumped on the scale and I was really surprised by the number. I also don't care. But the difference of what I weigh now and what I weighed when I was like my goal weight and he- like I can't breathe or think about anything. I just have to focus on working out and counting my macros. 12 pounds. Really? 12, 12, 12 pounds, 12 pounds. That's like a bag of large potatoes. (laughs) Like, and the fact that those 12 pounds completely dictated, like you were saying, lying to family members, missing out on activities. I used to run on the spot to try to get some calories down, like this obsessive compulsive thing. And it was 12 pounds and 12 12 12 pounds. And your conversation about bone mass and my bones were also very, very, very bad. I've had a lot of those different DEXA scans and things. And they were saying like, your bones are bad. Those 12 pounds are like muscles that I didn't have before and strength I never had before and bone density that I did not have before. And it's, it's just not worth it. 
It's not. And that's why I think really no one should go by the scale. Go by how your clothes fit. Yes. If you're afraid you're losing weight, if your clothes are loose, you're losing weight. You need to gain the weight. If your clothes are tight, then you need to address that if you want to. But I think that go by how your clothes fit. Don't go by what that number says because my brain was shrinking. I believe, you know, when you're when you're malnourished and your body goes in, you know, to starvation mode, you start to, you know, that inner cannibalism starts to happen. And what's the first organ it goes after I discovered was the intestines. Well, hmm, really? what a shocker. I had three intestinal surgeries. I had you know, no idea. Yeah. So that's why my intestines detached from my abdominal wall because that tissue is just gone and it twisted up like a fishing line my large and small intestine. And of course, they had to sacrifice my ileocecal valve, which prevents bad bacteria from, or the bacteria from your large intestine from going into the small intestine. So I pretty much have chronic SIBO, which there again, eating this way has really helped with that. So yeah. That's amazing. And just, it's so nice to just have a conversation with somebody that understands their body and appreciates their body. And I had no idea about it attacking the intestinal tract first, yeah. which makes total sense. I remember when I first met my husband 10 years ago, I was very sick and still in major need of help. And I would always deal with stomach pains and like these knots in my intestines and I could never like get rid of them. It didn't matter what I ate. And now, I mean, my digestion is pretty on point. I don't really have to worry about it. And it really comes from like a nourished perspective and just absolutely like, taking care of your body. And I don't know, did you ever do a hospitalization in inpatient hospitalization? Yes, I did two of them. Okay. And it okay, so was the worst. <laughs> yeah, it is the worst. And the food is terrible. Yes. And it's not good gut healing food. And so basically, you know, the food that I eat, you know, it's mostly sugar and processed food, and it would just harm my intestines further. And then you were timed when you ate, so you had to eat said food as fast as you can, and you weren't chewing properly. It just set up a whole slew of problems for the gut. And that's why my passion, and I have gone to different eating disorder clinics and told my story and spoke with the dietitians and said, we got to do something here. Instead of breakfast cereal with mandatory sugar packets and skim milk, yes. we need to do healing food. And I had one dietitian that was really on board and then suddenly he wasn't working there anymore. So it's like, I still want to see that happen. A clinic opening up just to support just healing good foods with lots of good, healthy fats, not margarine, <laughs> good, healthy fats and good protein and lots of vegetables, just a lot of bone broth to heal the gut I think that would make such a difference. I it really is, do. It's so true. I know that when I went inpatient, they asked me what allergies I had and I'm anaphylactic to peanuts, so I didn't I wasn't forced to eat that. But they basically said, "You're not sensitive to gluten. You can have dairy. We don't care. These are just rules." And when you eat food that doesn't align with your body like actually and you're being told to eat these things that you don't understand. I mean, you're right. Really where where those sorts of programs fail and why I ended up moving out of my house at 16 because my parents were sort of like, go to treatment or leave. And I'm like, bye. <laughs> like, I can't do this. And it's right. really like I needed to understand the meaning behind the food. And that's why I studied nutrition, because I was like, this food is doing something. 
and food can heal me, but nobody's really telling me what that is. So I'm just going to go to school and figure it out myself. And that's how Healthful Pursuit was created was just, wow. I don't understand why this broccoli is better for me than that chocolate bar. Like, I just don't get it. What is the point? Why do I even need to eat? And once I understood that bone broth was beneficial and that soda is not going to be helpful. And these were the things that I totally agree. They give me seven sugar packets and I had to add that to my insure milkshake. Oh, thing. sure. Exactly. Yeah. We, I had the same thing. And then they would say, I'd say, you know, I really think that gluten is a problem. That's your eating disorder, yes. Jennifer, telling you yeah. that gluten is a problem. More on my interview with Jennifer Schmid after this message from one of our podcast partners. The show is partnered with Good D's low-carb keto baking mixes. Good D's makes muffin, blondie, chocolate brownie, chocolate chip cookie, and double chocolate chip cookie mixes completely free of sugar, sweetened with stevia. They're nut-free, gluten-free, and perfectly keto. Instead of the regular almond or coconut flour, their mixes are made with ground sunflower seeds. I know, it's crazy, and it's so good. Use the coupon code KETO, all in caps, no spaces, for 20% off your order at healthfulpursuit.com slash mix. Unsure of the link? Simply check out the show notes of today's episode to get all of the details. So I'm assuming that there are a lot of parents listening that I might so. have teenagers or children that might be struggling with some sort of disordered things. Like I, I actually overheard a conversation on a train recently. The girls were probably 12 years old talking about diets and wow. just, I had to interject and tell them a couple of things. I don't know if they listened, whatever. Good but for you for doing <laughs> it though. It's just painful. It's painful to listen to. It's, it's, yeah, I just, I can't sit by and watch this stuff happen. So what advice do you have to parents that are watching their children grow up in a world that's even more screwed up than when we were kids? Yes. <laughs> yes. Just have a conversation with them. Talk to them about their relationship with food. Encourage them to eat you know, eat lots of healthy fats and animal protein and vegetables and just check in with them and see how they're doing. You know, it's hard with social media, especially thankfully, I didn't have that in my teenage years. I'm 42. But I know that's a huge problem that just feeds so many different disorders. But really just to check in and, and get the information and support them and don't, you know, don't force them into anything. I think like when it comes to treatment, when you're forced into treatment and you're not there on your own will, it's, you're really not going to be successful, unfortunately. Yes, I can agree to that. <laughs> 100%. So did you end up overcoming a lot of disordered behaviors while at treatment? Or did you find that external sources like different coaches and things like that helped more? I would say externally in treatment, it was just like, I just felt shame and guilt that, you know, you're watched whatever you do. And I just said all the right things in therapy to try to get out as soon as I could, because I had to, I didn't want to lose my job at the time and money was dwindling and I wasn't making money while I was in there. So I'm like, I have to just do what they tell me, say what I need to say just to get out. I did learn some mindfulness things. I did learn actually in, in a residential facility I was at in 2000 five, I believe we had a yoga and that was my first mm. introduction to yoga. And that was huge. That helped me out a lot. But aside from that, the food point just, that wasn't, that just wasn't helpful. 
Yeah, I think it was always my dream, especially while I was recovering and using yoga, that it would be so cool to have like a center for disordered eating, not just eating disorders, but just disordered eating. Absolutely. Where yoga was practiced and there was like cooking classes with like nourishing foods. And while you're cooking, you're learning about how these foods impact your body and how beneficial they are. Like that stuff is so much more powerful than sit down. You have 10 minutes to drink seven sugar packets. Yes. And a cinnamon. Exactly. And you got to inhale that and you know, it's just going to harm your gut, but they just pass the Miralax around. I don't know if they did Mm, that where you're at. You were, yep. So it it just is not helpful. But yeah, I, I think your idea with the yoga and the nourishing food, absolutely. Oh. That's my dream too, is just to see a holistic approach and educating people. You know, it's getting to the root cause. Like I got to discover what my root cause was, you know, an unhealthy gut, not eating enough animal protein, not eating enough fats. And then once I was able to start healing my body and repopulating those neurotransmitters, it was like, Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. It just, that's why I just, I just want to tell my story and, and help people. Yeah. I think there's something to be said too, and about fats and the benefit of brain function. Um, as somebody who was diagnosed with ADHD, I was 11 and then the eating disorder stuff kind of happened pretty much around that time as well. And I wasn't thinking correctly. And it wasn't until I ate keto for the first 30 days where I was able to go off my medication from it for the ADHD. And Mm -hmm. that was like, Whoa, (laughs) like I wasn't used to having a brain actually. Exactly. Exactly. It's like you can start to remember things and, and retain information and be completely focused on what you're doing. It's just, it's amazing. I went through the same thing. That's so cool. And so getting back to like parents and signs, what are maybe some signs that perhaps their children or maybe even themselves are dealing with disordered patterns when it comes to let's focus on eating because we already talked about addicted exercise stuff. So what are some signs and symptoms of disordered eating tendencies maybe? Feeling just a, a fear of any type of food. And I'm not talking a food they're intolerant to or allergic to, but a certain type of food they're afraid to eat. Like let's say bananas because, you know, some people are afraid there's just too much sugar in a banana. And I get that. But if they're completely, they can't eat, go near a banana, that's a sign if they're completely afraid of, of eating a, a certain food. Or, you know, they don't want to participate in an event because they're afraid to eat the food there. Or, you know, just kind of an irrational fear, just an irrational fear around a specific food. Or maybe patterns like I had was... I ate a certain food, like I had this almost obsessive compulsive certain way of eating, like I would eat at this specific time and I'd eat this certain food on this day at that time, but I couldn't eat anything else but that food. So that's something something that I went through. Yeah, I would have to say the rules were definitely a big piece to me, even though I thought that I had overcome disordered eating and I wasn't binging purging, I wasn't restricting 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 food like anorexic stuff but it was still like I eat this at this time and this at that time and this with this but not with that my question for you is um what were some of the most powerful things you did like we chatted a little bit about yoga and whole foods to heal your relationship with food when I started to see how much power that real food had to heal my body and just every day was a gift you know 
pain, certain pain would go away or I'd look in the mirror and, or my hair started to get thicker. I started to gain bone mass, stop clenching my teeth, things like that. It was like, I just started seeing food as medicine and I just started listening to my body, what my body was craving and started to see the patterns of eating at, it has to be, I have to eat at this specific time. I can't eat five minutes before, five minutes after it was more listening to my body. Okay. I'm hungry now. And this is what I'm hungry for. I'm going to eat this. I was so much more intuitive with my body. And I just started to see food instead of fearing certain foods, just seeing food as such a miracle for my body. I love it. And given your history and everything, and we've chatted about a lot of it, what does your keto look like right now? And how have you learned about your body during the keto process? And how have you adjusted things for yourself as a result? Okay. So I learned because in the beginning I was eating three meals, three snacks a day. And although I was, you know, I was able to gain the weight and I felt pretty good. My gut was still like, Oh, I need a break. (laughs) I can't, I just need a break. So for me, it was like, I needed to space things out more. And so then I started doing more healthy fats to extend that. So my blood sugars wouldn't be dropping. So then it became like eating three meals and one to two snacks a day. And then after listening to you, Leanne, I started to change and just doing the starchier carbohydrates or like sweet potato or squash or apples or whatever kind of towards the evening time. And that started to really balance out my body. So I can't, unless I'm forced to at work, (laughs) I tend not to go any more than I'd say except for sleep, maybe 10 hours without eating. But during the day, I'd say the longest stretch would be usually about maybe seven hours. And that's just because of my job. It's very hard to take breaks. But then I just do keto milkshakes or something. And that really helps. But yeah, that's now I'm to the point where my gut is happy. My brain is happy. And I'm just not ruminating and thinking about food all the time. Which is amazing. And did you ever think you would be in that space? No, absolutely not. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. I love it. And where can people find more about you from you? Sure. Well, the company I work for, um, Nutritional Weight and Wellness, our website is weightandwellness.com. And I, uh, our radio show is linked up to that site as well. But I've got my stories on that site. And I'm also on social media on Facebook and Twitter. And Facebook is just my name, Jennifer Schmid, last name spelled S-C-H-M-I-D. And my, my Twitter handle is jenschmid 7 not on Instagram yet. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it can be challenging. Um, it's just a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. You could just got to pick one and roll with it. Otherwise, exactly. you'll be on social media all the time and get nothing done. <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Jennifer. I really, really thank appreciate you. it. And thanks for being really open because I know sometimes these sorts of conversations where we're really opening up and chatting about stuff, it's hard to kind of like dig deep into that stuff. So I really appreciate you opening up and sharing your story. Thank you for the opportunity, Leanne. Yeah, you bet. And take care. Thank you. You too. Thank you. And that does it for another episode of the Keto Diet Podcast. Thanks for listening in. You can follow me on Instagram by searching Healthful Pursuit, where you'll find daily keto eats and other fun things. And 
check out all of my keto supportive programs, bundles, guides, and other cool things over at healthfulpursuit.com forward slash shop. And I'll see you next Sunday. Bye.